We're looking at discipleship. We're looking at living free. How do we live the old story in a new day? Because this is a new day for us. This is really a new day. It's a new day for me. I'm, I'm a visiting speaker today. My church is now in East Molesley. Well, you know, church is always global. <laughs> but the church I lead is in East Molesley. And uh, they send their greetings to you guys. And uh, I'm enjoying the fresh adventure. So it's good. It's very good. Um, Matthew, if you're reading through the, the book of Matthew... He speaks to the Jews, and he speaks to the Jews in a new day. You know, they'd already been through a new day, they, which they lived from back in the day of Moses. Moses led them out of slavery. He formed a nation from them and a bunch of other ragtag slaves. But Jesus comes as a new Moses. He comes to lead a new exodus, to lead people out of slavery they didn't realize maybe they were in, a slavery to sin, to fear of death. So Jesus comes with a new law. He goes up on a mountain like Moses did. He comes down with a new law. Actually, it's the fulfillment of the law. It's, like, it's the old law, but it's what it was always intended to be because Moses wasn't the finished article. It was a journey. And Matthew's full of uh, completing the story, the old story in a new day. So this series hopefully will help us live in a new day. It's another new day. And we want to live the same old story with the same old God who is faithful and taking us all on a journey. Okay. Oh, I've got the wrong button. This is a great clicker, by the way. We're free. And we're free to choose. Freedom is in the heart of God. We know that right from the very beginning of the story. You know, there was two trees in the garden, not one tree. They were given a choice. They could eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or they could eat of the tree of life. You know, Moses, he gets a fresh under- a revelation of that. In, in uh, Deuteronomy 30, 19, God calls heaven and earth as witnesses when he's speaking to Moses and says, I lay before you a choice. You can choose love, you can choose life, or you can choose death. Uh, and, you know, that's... From, that you might know me was the call then. Choose life by knowing me. But here we have Jesus coming in a new day. And he's offering us another choice. Matthew 7, it says, 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. That picture, by the way, is a narrow gate. And some of my friends will know that because we go up it nearly every year. It's Jack's Rush Rake. It goes up Pavey Arc. It's a great little scramble. My kids love it. They demand I take them up it. Well, those two do. Uh, Rachel and John. Emmy's not so keen. But it's a difficult route. It's a, na- you know, it's a narrow route. It's a pretty scary route, but it's an exhilarating route. And I've taken a, quite a number of people up it now. But Jesus is saying, we've got a choice. There are two routes. There's a broad route. There's an easy route that we can travel down, which actually doesn't take a lot of effort, a lot of thinking. We can just go along with the crowd. Or there's a narrow route, a route which is difficult, which not many people might want to embark on. It says few find it. What will we choose in this new day? The broad path? 
the one that's easily travelled, that others around us are travelling, or will we choose a difficult route, one that others haven't travelled? Maybe. A new route. It leads to life. Now, when I read those verses, I'm not reading about eternal salvation. I know many people do. I don't, personally. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to God's chosen people. He's talking to the Jews. And not only that, he's talking to the Jews that could be bothered to climb a mountain or a hill to come and listen to him. <laughs> so he's, he's talking to those that are really hungry, those that are really wanting something in this season. And encouraging them to enter into life. I mean, what would it say about God's ability to save if only a few were saved at the end of the day? Is God incapable? Is God's love incapable of reaching many? The God who died for the sins of the whole world, is he incapable of reaching the whole world? I can't believe that. I cannot believe it. I refuse to believe it. You know, we all know, don't we, the incredible effects that love has on us. Anybody here been loved by someone? I'm a bit disappointed that not every hand went up. (laughs) There'll be ministry at the end of this session for those who didn't put their hands up. But we know, don't we, that love has an incredible impact on our lives. It makes us feel fantastic when someone loves us. It makes us feel we can do anything when someone loves us. It makes us feel like, wow, yes, I can. Life is fantastic. Now that is, oh, forgive me now, I'm going to be a bit rude, but your love is a bit puny. When compared to the love of God, that love that stretches higher than the heavens are, than the earth that separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west that's deeper than any ocean, that love, this endless love, is enormous. Imagine the impact of that love. So these verses cannot be talking about a few people being saved. They're effusively, that, that love can't reach the many. No, I think actually that this is talking about entering into life. Not when we die, but now, as we live. It's difficult to enter into life now. There are so many things crowding in on us, so many things surrounding us, that it's difficult to enter into life. If you find it, he says, we need to take the, the harder route, the countercultural route. You know, I've done that a few times in my life, and you guys know the stories. I could bore you with them. You know, but Sadie and I left Marlow to go and help lead Cox Green. That was a difficult path for us. Not many would choose to leave Marlow to go and live in Cox Green. Anybody here want to go and live in Cox Green? I didn't think so. Marlow's a beautiful place. I fear for you, Marlowfornians. Cox Green's lovely, Sadie, yes, but for those who have eyes to see... You've got to have a certain eye to believe that Cox Green's lies. What did, what did John call it? Usually Grizzly Bisley. Um, no, let, uh, I'm losing my place. No, so, but also we went to Nepal. And if I hadn't have taken the step, if we hadn't have taken the step to go to Cox Green, we've often said, Sadie and I, that we would never have got to Nepal. Because life is difficult in Nepal and, it, you know, to live there is much harder than it is to live here. So, you know... You make the choice, the hard route or the easy route. What do we want? Adventure, life, or do we want to settle? And we've had a lot of that this morning, which I love what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, let's move on. We're free. 
but we're not storm-free. You know, the Israelites that were led out of Egypt were freed from oppression and slavery, but they were not storm-free. They were chased by armies. They suffered hunger and thirst and nearly thought they were going to die in the desert and wanted to go back to slavery many, many times. I love what Peter talks about in 1 Peter 3. Just read a couple of verses of that. One Peter one three says, "Blessed be the Lord, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials." that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's not pain-free. You see, to be called the children of God, to know that you've been set free, sounds idyllic. (laughs) But you've got to remember where we are in the story. We have not reached our promised land yet. So we shouldn't be surprised when there are storms. You know, I agree with Bono. You know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. (laughs) Come on. We still haven't found what we're looking for, have we? We're on a journey still. Now, sometimes we choose hardship, we choose the hard path in order to enter into more abundant life that Jesus promised. At other times, life or the choices of others mean we face hardship. Facing opposition or trials does not mean that God has left us or that we've missed the way or lost our destiny. Trials are an opportunity for us to grow. The enemy always comes in when we're facing difficult circumstances. Whether it's because of our own choices or other people's choices, he always comes in and tells us we've screwed up. He loves to help us, to make us feel small. The grace of God is here this morning to set us free from that. So that we may know that we are loved and that God is not going to abandon us. He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. That's at the end of Matthew. You know, he's with us. He's with us for good through everything. You see, I love the fact we were singing earlier, the lamb upon the throne. I love the fact that it's a lamb upon the throne. It's not just any lamb, it's a lamb who was slain. Nothing more, you know, this is a cuddly, defenceless, kind of easily approachable God that we have. This is not uh, some lion that we've got to be scared of. God is gentle, we've been reminded of that this morning. He's humble. And that's why there are storms, so many storms. Because things are not as he intended. The world is not as he intended. It's groaning, it says in Romans, waiting for the sons of God to enter into glorious freedom, to to help bring it into glorious freedom. People are lost. 
lost people everywhere we look. Jesus said, we're like sheep without a shepherd. We're, we're helpless. And you, when you look around, that's where we need to see the world. We shouldn't be surprised at all the crazy goings on in our politics and in our economics and in our police forces. You know, people are lost. We need to help them find their way back to the Father. That's, the, that's our prime calling. Lost people, orphans, grab what they can, think they need to defend themselves, provide for themselves, end up hurting one another. We know there's a love. We know the answer. And we also have an enemy who seeks to uh, rob, kill and destroy. That's what Jesus says. So uh, it's not surprising. We have trouble. And Jesus says, doesn't he, that storms are going to come. A little bit later from that passage I read out earlier in Matthew 7. He says, storms are going to come. And whoever hears these words or sayings of mine, the man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell and its fall was great. You see, houses can all look good. Houses can all look good. Our lives can all look good when they're going, anything's going easy and going well. The, the, what tests us is when things don't go well. That's when what's inside us really comes out, when we're squeezed. What will happen when the storms come? Because they will come. Jesus has told us. What will happen? Will our house stand? Is it founded on the rock? Or isn't it? In fact, Jesus, you know, you talk about freedom. Jesus says, that's the way you also know you're free. <laughs> if you live in my word, if you dwell in my word, my word dwells in you, the sun shall make you free. <laughs> that's John 8. And I love the fact that Jesus is clear with his followers. He doesn't want us to sign up to something which is false. You know, because I said, you can believe that you follow Jesus, everything's going to be all right. We can read the Psalm 91 as a... As a as a proclamation and promise that nothing bad is going to happen to us. But that's not real. Jesus says as much. You know, I love that. He's really clear all the time. He says it when he's sending them out to bless, sending them, his disciples out to heal in Matthew chapter 10. It's incredible what he says. Oops, that's the wrong way again. Nice picture though. Look at that. When he's sending them out, to pray for the sick and to proclaim the good, proclaim the good news. This is what, how he sends them out. I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. That's encouraging. Nice start, Jesus. Where are we going with this? <laughs> the sheep will rise up with pitchforks. He doesn't say that. He said, oh, you'll be arrested, by the way. But don't worry about when you're arrested. You know, I'll give you the right words to say. Thanks. And when you're scourged. What's that? Scour scourge, Jesus. Did you say they're going to whip us? Take a step back. Yeah, and when your family begin to betray you, uh, they'll think they're, they're serving God. What? Arrested? Betrayed? Whipped? I'm only going out to pray for the sick. <laughs> well, if they called me the 
Beelzebub, how much more are they going to call you Beelzebub? You know, it's ridiculous. You're going to be hated by all people by, on account of me. What? I, you know, this is Jesus. He, I love the, the reality of it. The reality of it is, this is life. There are storms in this life. We've just got to learn to live with it and face it and know that he is with us through the storm. He's faithful. Everybody that lives through a storm gets an opportunity to actually receive a story. And if we don't receive the story, we end up in glory. So it's either a story or glory. That's a good option. <laughs> Sorry. It's rubbish, isn't it? But it's good. It's good rubbish. So what grows... Uh, you know, two questions there. Who's still putting their hands up to go, by the way? Keith's gone. There's a couple of people. Uh, uh, and what, cha- what, what changes when we overcome? What changes? We change. Thank you, Mary. We could have been there a long time. Okay, we change. Because we grow, don't we? Faith is the way to freedom because when we overcome, our faith grows. Our, we, our trust in God grows. You know, the first time you pray for the sick, you haven't got any trust. If you pray for a sick and see someone healed, your faith grows. There are loads of opportunities, you know, for our faith to grow when we face trials. Because God is in it, whether for the story or for glory. He's in it. Because he doesn't want weaklings. He wants mature children, children that are grown up, strong children who have overcome. He wants overcomers. You see, as long as we fear hardship, the enemy can keep us safely locked up in comfort. Hello, Marlo. I won't say anything more on that. As long as the enemy, sorry, as long as we fear persecution, the enemy can keep us safely locked up in silence. You don't get persecuted, you don't say anything, you don't do anything. It's the safest place to be. As long as we fear death, we can safely avoid all adventure. Mark, <laughs> you're not going to get killed for, for adventuring probably, but you know, adventures are risk taking. To adventure, you've got to take a risk. And so, as long as we fear it, well, see, and that is the reason Jesus had to die. You know, he had to die, he had to willingly face death, knowing his father would care for him, in order that we might face death, knowing that our father would care for us. You know, and I, I went out to play football with another foster carer and his, and his sons, foster sons, uh, with John last week. And he, they invited us back for tea and coffee. You know, I didn't really want to go and play football. I was quite tired, <laughs> but I went and played, and uh, I know he likes to talk about theology, and he got back, and he was pumping me full of all these questions, and got onto the meaning of the cross, because he disagrees, he's from, he's from a church which is a bit more conservative, so he was trying to pump traditional evangelical theology at me, and I was saying, but do you understand why Jesus had to die? Really, do you understand why? It's not hocus-pocus neo-paganism, you know, this is, why did he really have to die? And I explained to him that he had to die to set us free from fear, fear of death. That we could face it, knowing that we could go through it like he did. That's why he had to die. And as I was talking like this, his wife says, I've never heard it explained like that before. We've got to go to this guy's church. And she's not a Christian. 
Yeah, it, honestly, religion's terrible, but Jesus is amazing. Anyway, let's move. So, that's why Jesus had to face death. There shall come a day when storms cease, but this is not the day. I think I finished. Okay, so what? So what? So what? Okay, can we just all close our eyes for a moment? Because I just want to be tender with some people. If you uh, have felt overwhelmed by the storms of life, and let's face it, let's be honest, many of us have in the last few years. Our lives have been turned upside down. If you have felt overwhelmed or are feeling overwhelmed right now, come into the place that Sheila invited us into earlier, the arms of majesty. Come and sit with the lamb on the throne and know that he is for you. He has not forsaken you and will never forsake you. That he's with you in this storm. He's got hold of your hand and he's not letting go. You will overcome. It will be story or glory for you. It will not be the end of you. You are safe. Nothing can by any means harm you. God is with you. He loves you with an undying love, a passion that cannot be quelled. Receive his love right now. Feel his hand in yours. And know that you're an overcomer because he says you are. Okay, we can open our eyes again because we want to be brave. The question is, guys, are we going to choose safety or are we going to choose adventure in this life, this new life, this new day, this day of freedom that we're so happily in? Are we going to choose to adventure in it? I don't care if you adventured yesterday. I adventured yesterday. The question is, are we going to adventure today? This week, this month, this year? Or are we going to settle to live with safety? With our nice pensions, our houses, our friendships, our church? What are we going to do? Simple choice, because God loves freedom. What are we going to do? I hope and pray that some have been stirred by what I've said this morning to say, I want a fresh challenge. I want to adventure with Jesus in this day in a new way. Not thinking about what's gone behind, but pressing ahead. I want to take hold of what Christ is calling heavenly for. Heaven was for. If that's you, we need to respond. And, you know, we're used to responses, but I want us actually, if, if that is you, I want you to walk down the front. I want you to be really brave as a sign. If, if, if nobody walks down the front, I'll be very happy, I'll be fine. But if, if anybody wants to, they feel that their hearts are stirred to adventure with Jesus in this season, then we'd love to pray with you. Maybe, Andy, you can come and play for us.